What's up, Textual Healing Squad? Welcome back to another season of Lit Interviews with writers we all know and love. I am so excited for today's episode. My guest today is Caleb Bethay, author, copywriter, all-around badass on Twitter, and a family man with two goblins. You might know him from his writing in Malden House, Twin Pies Literary Press, Had, and Bear Creek Gazette. But without giving away too much, let's just jump into the show. Hey. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Yeah, my cat was like pawing at the door and meowing, and I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to open the door. Yeah, no, I get that. I know the pawing well. Yeah, and you just get like the really like bitchy noise too, where it's like not every door has to be open for you, but you know, she doesn't get it. No, she uh she wants to be immalleable. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty shocked that you wanted to go on earlier. I think our sound is very good, by the way. Oh sweet. Okay. Nice. Yeah, believe me, I could see like your levels and everything on my end. I'm aware that you probably can't see my end, so that's cool. Okay, sweet. Um no, yeah, the time works well for me because I was about to get started for work and then I was going to unstart and yeah, I would just also rather be doing this than work. So it works out. I was going to read the book and then I was just like, nah, I have like this podcast interview in an hour. So I just turned on Titanic and I skipped directly to the ship sinking. So I was just going to watch that. <laughs> so were you, so I saw on Twitter you were reading Grady Hendrix. Did you skip Grady Hendrix? and James Cameron to do the podcast today. Yeah, I did. I That's mean, pretty impressive. You know what? I'll go back to them after I'm done with you, but, you know, your priority. Yeah, no, I get that. That's uh, high praise, high stakes as well, I suppose. Oh, yeah, this pressure is totally on you right now. Make it worth it. Make yourself okay. seem so much better than the Titanic sinking. I won't beat the Titanic. I'll beat Avatar 2. That's not that hard. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see it. I don't think I will. I don't have three hours in me. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it. I've been told that I should see it by, like, my, mm-hmm. how, however old my niece is, 23. Yeah, yeah. Who's definitely not old enough to see the first one when it first came okay. out. And I was just yeah. like, the hype, it's not that cool. Like, you see it, you let me know how it is. For and sure. She never did, so I'm assuming it sucked. That uh, you see the guy he's got he's covered in avatar tattoos. No, it's like ninety percent of his body is avatar tattoos. And (laughs) he saw the first one in theaters like nine times in the first two weeks, and his entire truck is covered in. You know how like those redneck trucks will have like sexy like trucker girl like airbrush art on them. Mm Hmm. So it's the same thing, but it's Avatar Girls. That is so... I want to say it's bizarre, but I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago all about the Avatar fandom, and those people go hardcore into it, so... Is that... So there's like a whole community of that... Yeah. I, I don't know what to call them. I'll those folks. <laughs> article again, because like it's a very long one. My co-host um, sent it to me, and I loved it because it even mentioned that there's a quiz right now out there for our generation to see what we actually remember from the first one. 
I'll tell you this, not much. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I don't know what I do remember. I remember the tree, everyone plugging their hair into the tree and not a ton beyond that. I, I even forgot that. I just remember thinking this feels a lot like Pocahontas and Sam Worthington is in it. That's all. Who's Sam Worthington? The only reason I know him is because I'm a huge Terminator fan and he's ah. in Terminator Salvation. It used to be the shittiest Terminator movie, but, you know, as time went on, more came yeah. out. But, I, uh, as it goes, I suppose. What are you going to do? James Cameron can't save the world, can he? No. In fact, he's responsible for quite a few horrible things. But the Titanic was good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've not seen the Titanic since I watched it on, like, the double VHS. Like, it's been a minute. Oh, I'm a second VHS person all the way. Like, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I don't need to see a love story. Let's let's watch this fucker crash. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the reason we're all here. <laughs> but no, I remember being totally obsessed with that movie when I was a kid. I don't know if everyone else was, but like, I was like huge into it. And I swear it wasn't the song that got me into it. <laughs> we, well, I had my obsession with the Titanic was odd because it started with my sister's keyboard and it had the Titanic theme on it. Like this, like kind of went like key, um, xylophone Titanic theme to it. So we got down to that one pretty hard. And then obviously the, the double VHS entranced us. So like my brother would always come back, you know, like when you're a little kid, you always say you need to go get water. So he would like go back and say like, mom and daddy let me watch like a few scenes of the Titanic, but y'all are too young to do that. So like he would kind of come back with these crazy stories of the Titanic and none of them were true. Like he was, he would talk about like a snake charmer on the ship who would play the Titanic theme. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was kind of where my, um, Titanic obsession came from. And then it was honestly a letdown after that. Cause nothing was as cool as a snake charmer. No, on that the sounds boat. like it would have been badass. Yeah, I know it would have been, it would have been the best. I don't know why, like, my mind is going into so many directions right now because I had a dream about snakes the other night. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then there's a part of me that wants to, like, talk a little bit about, like, how old were you when, like, Titanic came out? And the other part of me is just, like, what do you mean you got down <laughs> to the music? Like, I'm trying to visualize. Oh, um, it. it was a lot of my, well, I would should say it was more my sister. She did these, like, synchronized dance routines to it. Um she got it for her. I always do that too. Yeah. I, I sure I did at some point. I have no memory of it, but yeah, no, I did my share of bedroom dancing growing up for sure. It's so funny. Like that just has to live in our memories and anyone who might've had parents who had a digital camera. Cause I don't think we're the era of like parents with the big, like VHS one. Whereas this generation of kids, they just pull out their phone and do the weird bedroom dancing and put it on TikTok. Yes. Yeah. No, my kids, their entire life, it's not really on the internet, but it's very much on my phone. It's, it's kind of crazy. I would hate it if someone caught me doing any of the shit that I did when I was a kid, like, especially the dancing. I had some really bad moves. Have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? Oh yeah. That was, uh, he was kind of my, I made him my personality for a while. <laughs> Okay. Um, in eighth grade, someone has the footage out here. And if they ever are listening, 
don't bring it forward. <laughs> I'd like to forget this ever happened, but for our eighth grade talent show, oh, me nice. and like four other girls did the vote for Pedro dance. Oh, a team effort. Yeah, it was a team effort. Well, what happened is we found out that there was another group of girls dancing and that they were far superior than we were. And we we're like, oh, no, we can't go into this seriously. Yeah, yeah. So we actually all got vote for Pedro T-shirts. You want like problematic? We found the only Hispanic person in our class to give this. Oh God, speech. that's brutal. It is as we do in eighth it, grade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. It's not like we held them at gunpoint or something. We weren't at yeah, that point sure. yet in society. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. But yeah. Um, well, that's amazing because that's kind of like uh, art becomes life because there was the Backstreet Boys dance with the girls. Um, and then there's also Napoleon's dance in the movie, right? Isn't there a Backstreet Boys song? You know, I haven't seen that in forever. I mean, I just remember like little like bits of it, like him like getting pissed off because someone hit his tater tots or something. Yes, in his snakeskin sweatpants. All the weirdness. I mean, it was like, wasn't it the first big indie movie for our generation? I think it was. Yeah, I want to say it was like crazy, crazy low budget. And you watch it and it would, you know, it really wouldn't have taken much money at all. I'm actually super curious about what that budget was. What happened to the guy who played Napoleon um, Dynamite? Because I know he, he did like he a movie went, or two after, but yeah. He went to college and had a kid, I think. Can you imagine, um, like, you know, when you're older and, like, your kid being like, what did you do when you were my age? And then him having to show that movie. That would be awesome. I mean, I that, always thought that that's For what me, that would be the win. Was going to do because he was, like, quote, unquote, retired from acting. But, yeah, you know, because that would be fun to show your kid. Like, I was in Harry Potter. I am. Yeah, crazy. yeah. But now he's in, like, some M. Night Shyamalan stuff, so it's, like, you have ah. nothing to brag about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got the budget. The $400,000 movie, and they made just under $45 million, Ooh. Which that is, is really good. <clears throat> that's, like, indie horror sort of standards. I, I was going to say, like, <clears throat> I'm trying to think with inflation, because I know that I always quote that Halloween only cost $300,000, but you know, that was in like 1979, maybe. Yeah. So I don't even know what inflation of that would be. Obviously it costs a lot more these days, but I think I did that math on that movie sometime. Cause I'm super obsessed with low budget horror Same. math. And I, I want to say it was just over a million or something, which is still like pretty low budget. I would say like they have like a somewhat known actress and, they had to get like some pretty cool like camera shit going on there. Yeah, for sure. Whereas with Napoleon Dynamite, it was a uh, we're gonna hope this shot goes well. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of nothing happening. Most I feel like most of it was just spent at the thrift store. I personally feel like majority of the dialogue there was just kind of a wing it. Let's see what you say. Yeah, I would I would have to think so, and that would be the magic of it. Like me being a Chicagoan, like improv is everywhere in this city. Like, oh, I didn't know that. So annoying. Oh my god! Like, I actually my very first apartment in this city. I, I always knew it was huge, but like, I always saw like a horde of people coming down, like 
to this basement area right beneath my apartment. I finally went down. It was an improv club. And then oh, I wow. out there's like an improv club on every block in Chicago. Oh, no. That would... So I don't... I only kind of know improv people by their reputation, and I feel like that could be really stressful. They just kind of see... I don't know if I see it as stressful or just more annoying these days, but it's because I grew up with it. Gotcha. Yeah, I would just, I don't know, I would feel like I'm on crowd participation mode everywhere I go. Yeah, I mean, I am the person who tries to, like, hide towards the back, but you can't hide too much in the back because then they try and seek you out. Oh, okay. So you kind of got to, like, get lost in the crowd a little bit. Is there, is there like, a, a magic middle where you can't be seen? Well, I'm five feet tall, so I'm pretty good at finding that middle. Oh, there you go. But, no, I have the bad luck of actually having a few friends who are comedians who did, like, sketch comedy and improv shows, and I'd have to go see them. Oh, no. Are they good? No. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the worst. Yeah, it's all those things. I remember once going to a comedy show, and me and, like, Three other people went there just to cheer on my friend. Oh, oh, wow. And we had to fake laugh at the jokes. You and three other people. Yeah, and we were like, oh, God, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. It did. It, it made me think, like, you should not be trying to do this with your life. Did your friend advance their no. career? Okay. Now they're acting. Um, but they seem to be like, not like quite an extra, but like a paid background actor. Like, uh, okay. He has an IMDb page, but I make fun of him all the time. Cause I'm like, I haven't seen shit. Like if you could point yourself out in the movie, then it counts. Yeah. I don't know. So is he the person who like hands the side character, the paperwork in a few scenes or something? You know, sometimes it'll be like guy in red shirt. Okay. Or, like, one time, I don't, what was it, Chicago PD or something, where nice. he, I get, it's called a swipe, where he got to pass in front of the camera at one point. Okay. <laughs> That's like, awesome. And it just felt more depressing than anything about how psyched he was about it. And I was just like, yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of right there with your friend. I would be psyched. <laughs> Maybe not a Chicago PD. But, uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd be, uh, I would definitely be the guy to, to walk in front of a camera. See, I, I don't think I'd ever want to. I mean, I've been offered to do stuff like that because, yeah, yeah. you know, we're in that community. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't like the idea of ever being in front of a camera. I, I would die. Yeah. I see. I wouldn't like it as much as I would like to have the party fact afterward. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's a cool thing where I could be like, holy shit, everybody, I did this. But see, that's the only thing I want afterwards. I don't want to actually do the action of it. No, uh, that that's totally fair. Depending on what it was, I don't. I may or may not enjoy it. Like, I don't know. I've had like some really stupid moments in life um, where even some of my friends were like, you should have done it just for the story. It's like, yeah. what wild ass person are you? <laughs> so like, I'll go like 10 years ago, we picked up a hitchhiker while we were driving to New York and she had to go to Philly. So 
we dropped her there and she's like, you could stay at my place for the night because I was dead ass tired and I didn't know that you could have snowstorms in March on the East Coast. Yeah. And we were like considering it heavily and then when we drove to where she was living, it was like the sketchiest area ever. Nice. And it became very obvious that her and her friends were squatting. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And like... So we were like, ah, you know, we'll come back and let you know. Like she gave us like a key to get in. And I was just like, at least you added that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But went to a coffee shop and like we took a vote and it's like, let's just get a hotel. (laughs) Like, Yeah, no, that's totally fair. You don't want to get into uh, barbarian territory. It totally was because she was just like, you know, you shouldn't leave your stuff like in the car and this is the area of the house you should sleep in and this oh, wow. not great. And I just was like, the, I, had, I took pictures. We hung out in it for a bit. There you go. Yeah. But like, I, I remember like messaging my one friend telling him about it and he was just like, damn, I would have done that. And I was I'm like, you're going to be that guy who gets killed by like a Jeffrey Dahmer kind of motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, or, uh, you know, a basement monster. He's going to end up in Barbarian. Yeah. I, I do like that you brought up Barbarian. I was going to rewatch that again, too. Yeah, one of the better movies I'd seen in a while. But maybe you should tell everybody who the hell you are, because I have been having this issue in the podcast where I almost have to splice it. <laughs> Okay. Like, oh my god, I'm so excited to have so and so, and then I immediately have to like then drag your bio to the front. But I'm going to keep this banter in because this is fun. But who the okay, hell are yeah. you? I am Caleb Bethay. I'm a writer from the southeast. Um, I have work featured in Modlin House, uh, um, among other places. But that's how I know Mallory, and I am uh, excited to be here talking about music and writing today hell yeah snaps to you i feel like that's a poet thing sorry oh yeah i used to be a poet yeah i I wasn't very good at it i feel like i was pretending to be a cooler person than i was now i'm just like you know i'm a geeky writer i'm owning it yeah no no same i um i I feel like when I wrote poetry, it was kind of the height of me trying to be interesting. Um, and you know, that obviously doesn't, when you try to be interesting, it doesn't really work, but you know, I was, I was younger than it made sense. Yeah. I think it was also the internet scene like on Twitter. I think it's what we were all trying to do. Copy that kind of like alt lit, but we're not calling ourselves alt lit kind of vibe. Yeah, I was, well, this was pre-Twitter for me, so I was just kind of trying to copy John Ashbery vibes and, Ooh. you know, doing it my own, like, 20-year-old dude way. <laughs> See, I, I was definitely, I'll admit it, I was going more for the outlet vibes when I first started, because I didn't know you're really allowed to be a writer on your own. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And it wasn't until I was making a short film and one of my actors was like totally into meth and kept going into the bathroom constantly to uh, do meth. And they're on the oh, computer. Wow. And yeah, like they showed me <laughs> some writing that they found on Facebook. And I was like, this shit's interesting as hell. Please get out of my <laughs> apartment. But this is interesting. Yeah. Wow. God bless meth <laughs> and your short film. 
Yeah, the film sucked ass, but (laughs) apparently meth had a good consequence in this situation. Wow. Yeah. No, I, uh, it brought about some creativity, I guess. Yeah. Some good opinions at at least. If it wasn't for a meth addict, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) That's kind of wild. That's, that's a, that's a good CNF. That's a, that's an opening line right there. You know, what's funny is like, everyone's always like, how did you get here? What, what got you into writing? And I just can never tell anybody that story. (laughs) No, that's the story. That would be my story. That was my story. Everybody out and be like, okay, so I was making a film and there is a meth addict. Like that is the worst way to start off. So how'd you start Malden house and what got you into being a writer? No, no, I think, I think that's your opening line. It's like, so it's very sensational. Yeah. No, I I love it. Okay, I'm going to do that to you now. How, how the fuck did you get into writing? Okay, so... Less, less methy, I would say. Damn. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was homeschooled. <laughs> sure so, no yeah, there was no meth involved in, uh, in the homeschooling. Um, but yeah, my, um, we would get together, uh, with a bunch of other homeschoolers like once a week and the moms would teach like different categories. My mom taught writing. So, um, I've really been like very actively into writing pretty much my whole life. Uh, but I started getting like really, really into it, uh, kind of late high school, just trying to imitate Jack Kerouac um, who I had just kind of read excerpts of at that point, but I was entranced as you are as a, you know, a teenage guy. And then, uh, college it, I don't know, got even more of a second wind with it, kept trying to write poetry and that went through a bunch of weird phases. Um, a couple years after college, I wanted, I like, after writing like zero fiction in my life, I somehow managed to spend two years writing, uh, a novel about like straight edge punks fighting, um, like drug dealers in the Netherlands and in DC. And there's just like lots of heroin everywhere. And I don't know, it grew into something really odd and gritty, but I don't know. I was kind of sold on fiction after that. Um, and then that's, I'm doing my MFA in fiction now almost done. Well, I mean, we both had really hardcore drugs mentioned in our interviews. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's the meth to heroin pipeline. <laughs> like both of our drugs kill, and now we're yeah. writers. Yeah, no, it's um, it is it's the ink on the page, if you will. <laughs> At least we're very good at not doing that ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I don't know your end. <laughs> No, I'm not. It's heroin and meth. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're my thing. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> this is not to talk shit, but, like, given the playlist you gave me, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if you said that you at one point were into some drugs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Drugs have never really been much of a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I do. I've always... People have always kind of thought that largely based off of <laughs> my music and my hair generally. But yeah, that's all oh, your hair. You just it, got good hair. Own it. Yeah, I know. Fuck them. It's I the know. music that did it for me. It's the music. No, that's totally fair. 
I mean, you know, it sucks as I listen to the same shit, but, you know, no one would assume it from me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So why did you add some of these things? Okay, so... By the way, you're seriously the only person that I know who actually likes Orchid, and that's badass. Oh, nice. Yeah, Orchid is... They're phenomenal. Wildly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I chose this playlist titled Barry White's Dangerous Flowers. Um, uh, it's got a lot of genre bending in it and a lot of tone blending. Um, those are both things I uh, try to emulate a lot in my writing, uh, as well as there's sort of the, a lot of the aesthetic stuff of just kind of the, the bendy sound, as well as just big old walls of sound. And then there's the uh, very shameless Barry White at the end, who is my main character and my current novel in progress. Uh, Barry White is his favorite artist, and that song sort of plays a role in the plot. I dig it. What is your favorite song on this playlist? Okay, so shall I just read? I'm yeah, I'm pretty damn proud of this list. Say the best. Yes. Um, I don't, not sure it will make a huge difference to the listeners, but I'm going to read the damn playlist. I don't say that's the point of this shit. So go on. That's right. Okay. So, um, destination blood by orchid is the opener. Holy fucking shit. 40,000 by have a nice life trap door by Salem. True jeans by cemetery hyperviolet by pig destroyer. Satanic rites of Dragula by electric wizard salt by crimes. Witness by The Armed, Level Tears Apart by Joy Division, and You're the First, The Last by Everything by Barry White. That's badass. And your favorite out of that? Mm. Does it exist? Or are those just uh, all your like main heavy hitters? I would have to say the one I can listen to over and over again is probably True Jeans by Cemetery. I dig that. I dig it. Yeah. I, uh, I love, so he does a lot of the fun, like horror tropey stuff where he just sort of like hits so many horror tropes. They like completely lose their meaning and just kind of break into something weird and kind of sad all at the same time. And just, I don't know, the overblown sound is, I love, I'm very inspired by kind of like the idea of blown out speakers and my writing and sort of, you know, everything turned up to 11 sort of thing. Sorry, turned up to 11. Not everyone gets that reference. Yeah, I, I didn't get that reference for a long time. And then my wife got me Spinal Tap for Christmas one year and it all clicked. Yeah, I, I was saying it to people so many times and people would be like, what? Okay. See, I wasn't even like totally sure. It was like, to me, I just thought it was just like, a term and then it was like yeah then i was like oh was, you know spinal tap well that's the origin i mean there are so many different like movies that are the origin of like different words but then there are like others where i'm just like oh that's where it came from but i yeah. don't actually know where it actually came from like i finally watched goodwill hunting for the first nice. time like a couple months ago okay. when i heard matt damon say how do you like them apples i was like is this where it came from <laughs> But then I heard it in uh, other movies, so I guess it's not where it came from. Maybe that's the one that made it famous, though. I think that's it, yeah. 
I uh, adore Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting and Ben Affleck. I would have to say Robin Williams. He stole the screen for me. No, that's totally fair. Yes. I just, I have a thing about Boston accents. You got a kink for that? Uh, I wouldn't say a kink, but I, I have a deep fondness for them. Like, could you do the rest of this interview in a Boston accent? No, I would get uh, assaulted by Bostonians everywhere, I am sure. <laughs> so... Have you seen any of the bands that you have on the playlist live? Um, let's see. You know, I haven't. That's a bummer. Ah. Oh, yeah. That's like the most badass concert you've been to then. Um, it would definitely be uh, last summer I saw Cannibal Corpse uh, was the headliner. And then opening for them was 200 stab wounds and sanguiza kabog that, that definitely sounds intense are you a monster? yeah um i started to get into it when i was like a little younger and then i just got tired um uh, i mean i've not been to like inordinate amount of heavy concerts but uh, this last concert, I didn't think I was going to, I was just like, I will, if I want to, I won't, if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't until the last song, their, um, famous closer is hammer smashed face. And they played it like, I think four times through. So like the last pit was like, just like 15 minutes. So I got in there a few times cause I just had to do it to hammer smashed face. It's always um, the last song that gets you at any concert where you're like, no time like the present. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was like right there at the front rail, and then I like ran to the back to get hit. <laughs> um, it just had to happen. See, I can never get to the front rail um, at concerts because I just don't have the patience. I don't know. Like, I have you have to wait it out. Being an unassertive person in a lot of areas of my life, I am actually really good at getting to the front rail. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good, like, at getting close to the stage. Like, there is, like, if we're talking about, like, an outdoor, like, music festival situation, because I'm short, I have to hit a certain angle for me to even see the stage. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, but, like, it's either that or I got to hit the front rail or I have to be in the back, at which point I might as well just be watching it on YouTube. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. But... No, I do like the moshing aspect to certain things, though. I mean, metal concerts, I've realized that, like, metal people are actually some of the nicest people ever. Oh, yeah. No, it's a thing. Like, everyone at that show was just, like, ballistically happy to be there. Like, it was such cool, fun energy. And if someone falls in the pit, like, there's, like, five people, like, picking them up as quick as they can. Like, it's a pretty... I mean, that's not every show, but more often than not, that's kind of... The unofficial rule. I would say I saw Corn, Metallica, and Slipknot. Every time nice. I saw anyone go down, people immediately got them up, and I was just like, "See that? That's cool." Meanwhile, yeah. I saw Paramore once, and I think people almost died <laughs> in that pit. I know you don't yeah. even think a mosh pit can happen <laughs> during a Paramore concert. Yeah, goddamn. Jeez, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed, but. I'm also not surprised at the same time. I had taken my 23-year-old niece. She was like maybe 16 years old at the time. And I was like, I'm going to take you to your first music festival. 
Oh, there you go. A big game. She's like, I fucking love music. I'm on a mosh. It's going to be cooler than you. Because she's taller than me, like most people. Yeah. (laughs) I abandoned her. In the There you go. I felt so terrible. Because, like, one, I tried to get her to, like, get into Newfound Glory. And I was just like, this is on totally waste for you. She was just like, no, not my shit. How could she know? Because that's, like, that's the good stuff. I know, especially when it was like my best friends over you. And I was just like, get in the pit. If you want to talk a big game, get your ass in here now. Yeah, yeah. And she I would argue Nikon Gore is better than Paramore. Oh, definitely. And I have a boyfriend or fiance, whatever we're calling him these days. He doesn't do that shit. So I just get to hand him my stuff and I get to go in the pit. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, thanks to him, I was able to get out of the Paramore situation and I just shot my niece at text. I was like, meet us at the exit. I'm so sorry. Don't tell your mom. (laughs) Well, I feel like 16 loss is not the worst thing. You know, she's a sturdy girl. I think she could handle it. Okay. (laughs) No, that's fair. That's fair. Like, it's one of those things where I know if she wanted to kick the shit out of me, she could. Yeah. Okay. So that's your, your metric for abandonment. Basically. So I can actually abandon most of my nieces and nephews. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Even the really young ones, I can be like, you're basically there. Yeah. Close enough. It it would be a fair fight. You may not kick the shit out of me, but it would be a fair fight. So you, you know, be on your own. I mean, there was a fun moment, like, when I was younger, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm the authority figure. But then my height came into question, and then I was like, oh, I will never be the authority figure. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. So, have you ever had, like, a really shitty concert experience like that, or, like, you fucked someone over, or you did something? Um... I've never fucked someone over. I have seen. Okay, so you know, do you know the song Christmas Shoes? I think so. Um, okay, so if you, you say I think so, um, I'm not going to sing it. Damn you. It would be so fun. I know. If, you know, it just, I wouldn't do it justice. Okay, so this song. Christmas shoes. It's uh, oddly the movie adaptation stars Rob Lowe. I think not long after his scandal. Um, it's about a boy who's in line and he's trying to buy shoes for his mom because his mom is dying. Uh, it's for some reason a popular Christmas song. It's awful, incredibly corny. And the most yeah. interesting shit ever, but you know, yeah, off, it, yeah, it's like, sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please. They're uh, she's been sick quite a while. I know these shoes will make her smile. Um, fuck. It's fuck. very you like put a gun in your mouth after that song. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's awful. Um, so I've seen that band live, and every time they spoke, they did some kind of weird guilt trip where they would make everyone uh, like try to stay still and listen to them. They'd like shush the crowds. They get you to donate to whatever cause. And then like one time he prayed at the end and said like, God, thank you. Like I never thought I'd get able to get 2000 people to stand still, but 
here I am. Like, I don't know. It was really odd. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I wouldn't say I've fucked anyone over, but I have seen the guy who wrote Christmas shoes, shush a crowd. So I would say, you know, that would be the closest experience. I've definitely been at shows where like the band has like definitely been like suddenly like cut between a song and gotten really deep and awkward randomly. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't really need to go there at the concert in my opinion. That's not why I go to concerts. I I understand other people are maybe looking for a different experience. I know, like, probably you get your weird, like, Christian rock people, you know, your Creed followers. But yeah, yeah. I remember once I saw the band, oh, my God, I'm going to fuck up their name, because it's the guy who used to be in Panic in the, in the Dis... Uh, Brendan Yuri? No, not him. Um, the other guy. And he has a band... I don't know how they found me. I think that's what it is. Okay, I've not heard that. Each song, he just kept like going off about suicide and how we could help and donations. And apparently, they had a coffee with the brand of every bag of this coffee you buy, you're helping the suicide prevention and everything. Wow. I just wanted to be like, this is supposed to be a good time. Like, yeah, no, I'm all, very happy. Yeah, all for the cause, but yeah, maybe not every single song. That uh, that sounds like a bit much. Yeah, it's like you know, maybe end it. With- yeah, yeah, that's odd. Yeah, it, it it was definitely weird. Like, I would not be like, oh, this is a really kick ass song because they're really fun, upbeat songs that have nothing to do with suicide or anything dark at all. And yeah, that's suddenly odd. you're like, why are you talking about this? What's the name of the band? I don't know how they found me. I don't know how they found me. I like how, yeah, that that is definitely like what happens when I'm on. Yeah, I don't know how, but they found me. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Now I see them now. No, because I knew I was like, it's a line out of Back to the Future. I know that. But I just couldn't remember exactly what it is. Oh, okay. Because that first man, I need to go rewatch me. those. I don't know how they found me, but yeah, okay. They're pretty fun. But, yeah, I um, I love the. I think I watched those first in like some like motel with my aunt, and uncle, like which is probably the best way to possibly watch those movies. I'm not quite sure how the hell I started watching Back to the Future. But I did at some point, clearly. And I have them also, yeah. They're classics. Yeah, you, know, you say that to some people, and some people are like, no, nah, they're terrible. I don't know why it's a polarizing film. I don't get it. You either love it or you hate it. I wouldn't think it would be polarizing, but, I mean, to each their own. I've had quite a few people being like, oh, it's American exceptionalism and it's portraying us in a wrong way. And it's like, did you really have to bring that into a fun movie about traveling to the future? Yeah. <laughs> and, back, I, and then an alternate like timeline. Like, I'd be know. curious to watch it as an adult, but I would be kind of shocked if that, that was the right read uh, to get from that movie. I mean, there are other movies that you watch as an adult and you're like, God damn, I didn't understand that when I was a kid. Like Forrest Gump. And you're like, this shit's yeah. hilarious. And then when you're an adult, you're like, oh my God, this is some fucked up shit. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, Forrest Gump's pretty brutal. It was like my favorite movie for a while, even when I kind of knew what was going on. But it was I was still like young enough to where it didn't like hit hard necessarily. I don't know why. Like the first time I saw it, I did not understand that Sally Field was fucking his way into school. Yeah, I, that took me a while too, honestly. So you're not alone. Yeah, like as an adult, I was just like. Oh, got it. That's what she means. He's on vacation. Okay. Yes. No, and I, I don't think I, um, I got that till I was an adult either. Even after some teenaged watches. Like I have so many like Forrest Gump theories now, where it's like this would no longer be a music podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your new podcast? Is the Forrest Gump fan theory? Forrest Gump. Wow. Forrest Gump fan theories. You know, I honestly, I, I wouldn't even know the time. The other podcast I have is that Horrorcast, and yeah, yeah. the host is determined that Forrest Gump is the worst movie ever made, and it should be a horror movie. So, Wow. I know. I've never I, met anyone who hated Forrest Gump so much. I, I would definitely disagree with the take on it's the worst ever made. I could agree with the idea that a horror reimagining of it you know, could be a curiosity worth exploring. Well, I'm sure whenever you listen to the next episode of that horror cast, if you feel obliged, he'll probably respond to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Because he does apparently listen to this and he'll like text me while like listening and be like, I see your guest said this. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, Dimitri, I demand you explain your you know, Forrest Gump, but I also applaud the idea that it could be a horror movie. So we'll yeah. meet in the middle. I dig it. I dig it. So have you been keeping up with all the weird pop culture, like pop music shit going on lately? Oh man. Um, only when it's really big on Twitter. Um, uh, I don't really listen to the radio much at all. Uh, not really by choice. I just, I work from home, so I don't drive. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so like, for example, like if like Taylor Swift's album came out, so I gave that a few listens, uh, since that's everywhere. So if it's like an event sort of thing, I'll listen to it. But then otherwise I'm usually kind of on my own music. Have you heard the new Miley Cyrus song? I saw you tweeted about it last night Uh, and I started listening to it, but I was working on a job application. So it just was not in the right brain space for me. But yeah, I'll listen to it later and you could feel like an empowered woman too. Okay. No, I, in this uh, job application process, it would not hurt me to feel like an empowered woman. I would think that would only bring good into the world. Yes. (laughs) No, I, I never know because I think it's very interesting, you know, like given your playlist and I just want to be like, how like diverse are you with your music taste? Like clearly you're very into like the heavy shit. Like give me the spectrum. Okay. So yeah, the heavy shit is like what inspires me, I would say. Um, and it's a, a lot of where I'm sort of the dark, shiny, heavy shit uh, is where I'm like, thinking about things and getting inspiration about it um but then i'm also like i like a good pop song i love soul like sam cook 
is probably my favorite artist of all time. I tried to get him on the playlist, but it just didn't make sense. Um, I love Bruce Springsteen, Taylor Swift, Orville Peck. I'm trying to just think of ranges. Uh, Miles Davis. So basically you could have fun at any party. Yeah. Most parties I, I could have fun at, I would say. And like, would you dance to this music or are you just the kind that like drinks a beer or whatever and stands in the corner and be like, you rock out, I'll watch. Yeah. I used to dance a lot. Um, I think there was, I don't know, there was a large chunk of my life where I was a lot more eager for attention than I am now. <laughs> and I just liked putting on a show, like not really in a toxic way, but I just enjoyed some good showmanship. And, uh, I don't know. I, that's kind of out of my system now. So I, I, uh, I don't mind a beer in the corner. I mean, I'll totally dance. Like I enjoy it, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend most of my time on the dance floor. Like if a song hits that I really like, I'll do it. But like, yeah, I would say that that's the adult moment when you're like, I don't need to dance. Yeah, no, there are songs I have to dance to. Um, so yeah, no, I get that. And I usually don't know I have to do it until it's on. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it, it actually is, it's some, it's a nice feeling though. You don't have to dance to every song. Okay. So what is like, no matter what it comes on, what song is it that you're just like, I have to dance to it? Um, so I would say anything by Sam Cooke, um, just pure, amazing all American soul all the way through. Um, anything kind of like from that upbeat, like, um, like Motown era. Uh, so like the kind of the wedding classic is shout, like throw your hands up and shout. I will totally dance to that song. Um, as far as anything to invite to weddings, like look out for one from us, maybe. (laughs) I know for real. I I would go, I would attend. (laughs) Um, I would trying to think of more recent, more contemporary bangers that I would have to dance to. Okay. So not super contemporary, but Hey, Ya by outcast. One of the greatest songs of all time. I feel like like it's an anthem for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like it could be a wedding song. I don't know if it is, but I feel like it should be more so than the Cupid shuffle. Like I'd be nervous to play that in front of parents. It's pretty clean. A little bit. I mean, except for like a line or two. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where like it's going really well and then you probably get a side eye and you're like, I know, I probably shouldn't have put this in the playlist. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's for you. Yeah, they'll be okay. (laughs) See, that's why I'm not having a real wedding. I'm just going to do my own shit. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you married? I am, yeah. We got married what was your first super dance young. Song? First dance. I actually don't remember the oh, name of it. Party Foul. No. no, no, no. It's okay because my wife doesn't remember the name of it either. <laughs> um, it was a song she really liked, and that's why I don't remember it. Um, the song she walked down the aisle to was Ocean by John Butler, mm-hmm. which is just like the most amazing, like insane, like acoustic guitar solo. It's like an eight minute acoustic guitar solo. Um, I like 
kind of can't listen to it because I just get emotional when I listen to it now. Aww. So, you know, that's, I don't know. I could listen to it, but I don't. <laughs> and then, like um, memory thing though, or neither. Yeah. Yeah. Big memory thing. Very, uh, like a positive trigger for sure. Yeah. It's like fun that you both have the problem where it's like, we can't blame each other. It's cool. Like, we yeah. don't know our anniversary right here. We just made up a date. For sure. Yeah. That's, it's how it's, it's how it's done. We just had to like work our timeline back and be like, I think it was around here. Like we're going nice. on Facebook and looking at pictures and be like, I think it was now. Yeah. No, I feel like so much of our life is just reconstructing in social media. Thank God for social media in those aspects. I know. I really like it for those. So can you play any of the songs? I mean, cause you know, Motown, that's pretty playable. Like, play them as in, like, the instruments? Yeah, like, you know, go acoustic or whatever. Um, I'm sure I used to play drums, like, I played drums, like, all growing up. So that would, I could definitely do it on the drums. Um, guitar, maybe. I definitely can't sing. I really, really wish I could sing. But, alas, it's, um, the universe did not knit me with pipes. Is that why you get into heavy metal? Because it doesn't matter if you could sing good? Yeah, I. that's potentially part of it. I think there's um, a lot to be... I, I write really well to heavy metal because you're not distracted by the words. It's just the, the growling is just white noise. I was going to say, um, I write to that, and I also get really into K-pop because it's like I can't really hear ah, what they're saying. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I have. Tr- I've not really listened to any K-pop, oddly enough. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I have, and maybe not been aware of it. But my niece made me a playlist, and then she okay. also sent me a message like a couple weeks ago. I don't know why. Almost like a flyer of. By the way, I want everyone to know I'm not into K-pop anymore. <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, okay, why'd you have to put us on notice? Was it because of the? like the problematic K-pop music industry? I don't even know. It was just like very matter of fact of like, for everyone's information, I'm just not into it anymore. It's just like I had an ex-boyfriend once who was just like, I want you to know I'm a Satanist now. And I just... (laughs) After you broke up? Yeah, and I was just like, why are you telling (laughs) me this shit? Like, uh, good for you? I I, I don't know. Did he text you that? Yeah, he did. He just texted you, I just want you to know I'm a Satanist now. It's like, I would like to say it's the weirdest text message you can get, but I'm sure that there are a lot of people who could top me. No, I would say that's another really good opening line for some creative nonfiction. It's, it would just be, you know, the quote from your ex-boyfriend over text. I know, just like, hey, I wanted to let you know I'm a Satanist now. And then like went on to like tell me why, and I was just like, I haven't even talked to you. I haven't seen you in two years. Wow. Was he like being evangelical about his Satanism or something? I don't know. Like when we were dating, he was really, really Christian. And I felt like it was a very culty Christian situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the reason why we broke up. So I don't know if that was like a, Hey, we could try and do it again. Or I I don't know. (laughs) 
be like, I'm out of that. Slide into your DMs, a little bit of Satanism. Wow. Be like, I really got into Anton LaVey. And I'm just like, this is really not getting me here. Yikes. It's just like, you know, as I said, you know, go chill with Jeffrey Dahmer. Do some serial killing. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that would be the way back to your heart. Who knows? Exactly. You know, starting off a conversation with, I want to let you know I'm a Satanist, not a great start. No hello? Did he say hello? No. Wow. It was just, I I probably have the message somewhere because I decided to screenshot it because I found it so fucking hilarious. Did you leave him on red? What did you say? Oh, I I seriously was just like, that's good to know. Congratulations. (laughs) What would you say? That's worse than being left on red. That's awesome. Because it's really just one of those, like, I'm in a relationship, but like, I can't, like, what else do you say to that? Yeah. No, there's... It, I don't know, it it feels, you know, like when you are talking with people and it just really feels like they're not bringing up a point so much as they're begging for follow-up questions. Yeah, and, I feel like they just want to, like, have someone react to it. I just was like, I have no reaction. Like, where are his Satanist friends? Why aren't they reacting? See, I don't know. Maybe he didn't know Satanist friends. I almost want to find him now and be like, how's Satanism working out for you? See on Facebook? No, he's not. He doesn't believe in social media. Oh, uh, so I'd have very to like, track his ass down. I think he worked yeah. at a bookstore last time I checked. In Chicago? Yeah. But see, that's the thing. People switch jobs all the time. So it's like, you know what? Maybe he's just lost somewhere in some satanic cults and it's all cool. Yeah. As long as May he's not find selling his, his soul or whatever. Yeah. Doing the yeah, for real. Where you do a black mass and kill somebody or whatever. I, I don't pay yeah. attention to what those people do. Yeah, I, I only know like the you know the Black Sabbath version, uh, which is you know kind of cartoonish. I know what I've seen in movies. Yes, that's it. So when people are like, "This is what it means to be a Satanist," I'm like, "Fuck yeah, enjoy." I'm just not gonna look at you anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, totally fair. But you know. The kind of music you got, you could totally just kind of like, that's a, I can join the Satanist club. It, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, a lot of, well, there's the Satanic Rites of Drugula song, which is just a really, I actually, a lot of these songs are like really heavy, but they're also really goofy at the same time. Like Satanic Rites of Drugula is just about smoking weed and like seeing Satan like in the smoke mm-hmm. and Destination Blood that by orchid it's like literally like about making love on the dance floor it's like a direct quote from the song but it sounds like you're just being stabbed with a knife like the whole song so yeah hyperviolet well that one's actually just heavy lyrically and musically i mean i dig you even have some joy division on here i mean that's you're very lyrical i could tell but 90 percent of people probably aren't listening to the lyrics of the other shit on the yeah side. yeah no, uh, I mean, Ian Curtis was an unreal songwriter. Um, I feel like people just kind of paint him as like a sad boy icon, but he was a crazy good artist. I think they call him Art Bros now. I never know. They keep changing the names. Art Bros? Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm getting to the point where I don't know. 
the new names that they give them. But no, I vibe you. No, I, um, I used to be like pretty up to date on things when I was a teacher. And now that I'm not in the classroom, I am not latching on things as quickly, but Twitter does help. See, yeah, that's the fun thing about being in this weird community. We keep you up with it. I've hit this point, though. I have 11 nieces and nephews, and the only two that I like are getting older. See, Uh, I said it. Out of 11, I only like two. (laughs) (laughs) The other ones don't listen. And if they do, they're not telling me. Whatever. But they're getting old, so now they're aging out of knowing, too. So yeah, I'll forever not know. Yeah. No, that's... um... I suppose that's just the way time goes. So you said you listen to metal while you write. Yes. What is your go-to? Like you listen to it while writing, not before to hype yourself up? No, while um, I listen to, okay, so it depends on my mood, but um, I really like black metal when I'm writing uh, classic death metal as well as just like sort of stoner metal as well. Um, stoner metal's kind of been this trip I've been on recently, but um, I feel all like three I'm of those. I'm not quite sure what stoner metal is. There's so many different subgenres. Yeah, no, it's quite a quite a range. Um, so stoner metal would be like it's really really riff centered, like. Uh, slow and heavy riffs, uh, really kind of psychedelic guitar tones that sort of contrast with like the deep guttural guitar tones. Um, and then just often kind of druggy culty type lyrics. Um, like black Sabbath would be like the penultimate stoner metal band, not penultimate ultimate I could or like that. original. I see it. Um, so like electric wizard on this playlist is, uh, considered stoner metal. Do you ever get stoned to stoner metal? We've talked about drugs a lot on this. No, I haven't actually. I am into a lot of like druggy art and stuff, but no, that's just not really my thing. Are you like a straight edge metal guy? Uh, no, I'm not straight edge. Um, I like a good beer. Okay. I'm with you then. We, we, yeah, yeah. Very well at a concert. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, actually, I feel like concert beers are overrated because they're like $11. Oh, what the hell are you doing? Okay, I have a very weird issue, and I don't know if anyone else has this issue. (laughs) And it's why everybody thinks I'm addicted to coffee. And I do love coffee. I won't deny it. I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) So I always have to have something in my hand. So I'm an arms crossed guy. See, I can't, that, that feels awkward. Like, so I have a beer and I will nurse that for almost an entire music festival. Yeah, I, um, I can't do it. I just can't bring, well, actually I did do that recently. Um, I think it was like a $15, like Mick Ultra and it hurt my soul. (laughs) That's what I hate. Like, okay. I usually... I remember this is when you start aging yourself. I remember when they used to only be $5. Ah. But like, I want to say the last concert I went to, I think it was $11, but I nursed that shit the entire day. My friend kept going like drink after drink and I was like, good for you. You're rich. 
Yeah. No, I don't get how people can do that. Yeah. I'm just like, this is my beer. I'm holding on to it. I just want something in my hand and I like to take a sip here and there. But what is your concert drink? Um, I would say, well, the free one is ideal. Um, <laughs> at the Cannibal Corpse concert, there was like a fireman there, not on duty. He was just there. And I saved his spot at the front rail so he could go get a drink. So he brought me back like a blue moon or something, which I don't really like, but it was free. See, as a guy, you're able to do that. You could accept a drink from somebody. Yes. Unless we're in the Dahmer era. I'm sorry I keep bringing up Dahmer. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I get, like, stressed, like, when they're, like, I don't know, seeing, like, women alone at concerts. Like, it, it's frightening sometimes. I don't think, you know, maybe I have been to a concert alone. Okay, I have once, but it was a very small venue. So, other than that, though, I always have somebody with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, um, I enjoy going alone cause I've kind of in recent years, I've gotten really into like, well, I got started getting into going to heavy shows like right before COVID hit. So then that obviously, you know, there was a dent in that, but, uh, I've started going back to them since then. And I don't have tons of friends who are into heavy music. So I enjoy going by myself and just, really enjoying the band and you're not worried if a friend enjoys it or not. Um, and you're just there. It's nice. Do you have that like awkward friend at all? Well, just tell them not to listen who like observes you while you're at the concert and is like, making no, sure I you're don't having a good time. No, I, um, I don't probably because I would be that friend. So maybe that's why I, I go. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't be compatible concert buddies. <laughs> All right, which friend are you? I'm the one who's like, stop looking at me, stop checking on me. Okay, well, Every if, if you I set a boundary, phone, like, will you don't please check stop on asking. me. I won't do it. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can respect a don't check on me boundary. Because some people, like, I, I've had it with a couple people. Like, even if someone just comes and talks to me that they'll like kind of intervene. And it's just like, I was just talking to this person. They were not going to kidnap me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we were fine. Yeah. I mostly get nervous when I see like, like crowd surfing used to be like the pinnacle. Like I used to like daydream about crowd surfing. And now I just get so stressed out when people do it. Cause I'm just like, anyone could do something to you. Like, I don't know. See, it stresses me out. I've only done it once, and I'm very proud. I never have to do it again. Yes. I had just enough alcohol in my system, and I was just like, okay. it's Bikini Kill. I was 29 years old. Nice. Every part of me, because I had always fantasized. I was like, I wish I was like brave enough to crowd surf. I wish I was that badass. Yeah. Riot Girl came on. I mean, Rebel Girl came on. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like... It's now or never. I'll be 30 next year. I, I can't crowd surf at 30. That's not to say you can't, but in my mind, it just felt pathetic. So I was just like, I got to do it. So I didn't even think about that shit. I've said this on the show before, probably, but like, I did not crowd surf in the most responsible of ways, but. Okay. <laughs> 
I turned to my friend and I gave them all my shit. And then I went yeah, to the go. and asked them to help I mean, me get up. At the Bikini Kill show, I would think there would be less creeps there than normal. Oh, yeah. Everyone was great. Like when everyone was chanting girls to the front, like Kathleen Hanna, like she was very aware of the fact that they, like it could be dangerous if people were shifting too much. And she's like, I'm not going to say that, but if you would like to swap, be polite and like do it slowly. And guys were, they were like, Oh yeah, you know, ladies go for it. And people were apologizing for the patriarchy to me as I was heading on up. Wow. But yeah, everyone was totally chill with crowd surfing. I mean, I did hear like one person like shout, put your legs up while I was crowd surfing, but like I was just too much in a daze, like holy shit, I did that. But apparently giving all your stuff to your friend is a bad idea because then it oh, makes no. it hard for them to find you afterwards. Oh yeah, because then you're just a you know, the duck in the pond. Yeah, I mean I actually made it all the way there. I didn't even know that it was possible for people to not make it to the front. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, like, it, it wasn't until, like, I was talking to my sister, and she's like, I've made it maybe, like, a minute, and then I usually fall in the dirt, and I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know that, that was a possibility. That's how drunk I was. Yeah, there you go. But, no, I ended up in the VIP section smoking weed with a security guard, and that's how my friend eventually found me. <laughs> that's awesome. So, I mean, that would probably be my greatest concert story have you ever crowd surfed though? You said that like it makes no because yeah. Well, any um, any time I would have wanted to in my life, I was never going into shows where that would have been a thing. And now I'm just more nervous. I wouldn't be nervous to do it myself as much as I just get nervous for other people doing it. And then I I don't know. I am less of a touchy person than I used to be. I feel like I just wouldn't like that many people touching my ass <laughs> honestly i definitely it felt more like i was being touched on the back more than anything okay but yeah no that's fair yeah it was good times <laughs> i don't know yeah i feel i there's some part of me that feels like it's well. out of my system if we ever go and though i've never together, done it I'll probably be the annoying friend who's like, do it, do it. I dare you. Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay. I'll at your wedding, I will crowd surf. <laughs> That'd be the greatest thing ever. No, yeah, I guess I'll I will say I'm that person at a concert where I encourage people to do bad things. I don't exactly do them myself. <laughs> okay. But I, I'm a bad influence. So do you get some vic- vicarious enjoyment from it? Yeah, it's kind of really hilarious. It's the same thing like on New Year's Eve where like my friend was going in for the New Year's kiss because they were single and I was just like, there's your corner right there. It looked like a <laughs> group of like cougars, you know. Oh, God. And I was just like, come midnight, stand there. My advice was not followed, but... <laughs> Did he get his kiss? No, he didn't. Or, you know what? It felt uh, sad, but like I really didn't give a shit because I was doing my own thing. But I did look back at one point and found out that he was nowhere near the Cougars. Uh, like, These bitches, like, it's five middle-aged women at an 80s dance party. Like, they want it. Go for it. Yeah. No, he could have, uh, he could have totally capitalized on the Cougars. 
Like, you know, nothing creepy or whatever, but most people, like, they probably would have kissed him. I'm not saying, like, throw yourself on them. Like, I was just like, yeah, just kind of stand amongst them. Yeah, yeah. And I would you yeah. get more than one. I have a suspicion it would have worked out for him. That's why people need to follow my advice just a little bit more. <laughs> I know. He could have been acquainted on New Year's Eve. Instead, he just showed off all his badass 80s moves. Ah, well, that's not terrible. It, it wasn't terrible, but, like, I did have a stranger walk up to me because, like, we were one of the first people there. That's a humiliating thing, by the way, if you ever go to a party that's the dance uh, or whatever, and it's like you're one of the first people there. Yeah, that's kind of brutal. Yeah, it's like, it was like advertised, like it was this time, we showed up an hour after the time, and we were still the first people there, and I was just like, oh no. Did they cancel? What's going on? People eventually trickled in like an hour later. Okay. But. So you were an hour late and an hour early. <laughs> basically. Yeah, that's rough. It was very awkward, but like, regardless, my friend was just still like having a dance party of his own. (laughs) Ah. Like, totally dancing by himself. And in the middle of the party, I want to say like 11 o'clock or whatever, one chick walked up to me and she was just like, I want to let you know you have the best friend ever. He is having the most fun tonight. And I was just like... (laughs) Thank you for telling me this awkward information. As I look up and he's doing the moonwalk, and I'm like, oh, nice. I, don't, I don't know that guy. <laughs> so he's in his own lane. He's doing his own thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was one of those things where, like, he kept trying to encourage me to dance, and I did do some dancing, but, like, he told me later that he practiced moves before we left, and I was like, that's not <laughs> fair. You don't get to do that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's definitely breaking the rules. These, these, the moonwalk has to be impromptu. Like, you just need to have, like, randomly know that. Like, he suddenly knew moves to, like, every 80s song. And I was just like, what were you doing all day? Yeah, that's, uh, he wasn't making out with anyone at midnight all day. Yeah. It was impressive. So I'd be like, he even got some of the cougars to dance with him. But I was just like, now stay with them. Yeah, stay with the cougars. Yeah. But, you know. It doesn't always work out that way. Do you have any, like, badass, weird dance moves? Um, okay, so when I hit a strike, when I bowl, I can spin on my back, like, in a ball, like, five or six times around. I- I'm going to need video evidence of this. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you next time I bowl. But, yeah, that's that's probably move well no okay so that's that's a move i um when i in college i would dance a lot because that's like when dubstep was big and i could like drop my knees super like get on the sides of my feet and drop my knees inward and like get the my knees super low to the ground like without my legs breaking and that was sort of a move i had um it was very awkward and weird, but it it worked for dubstep. See, that's a sad thing. I feel at least with like people in my age range, we didn't have music that like really required cool dance moves. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, because then like they had cool like these are like the moves and everything. 
everything they have right now, TikTok dancers and everything, they know how to dance. Us, it's very awkward. Very awkward. I wonder if it can be traced back to just like MySpace era people. Like if you grew up with MySpace, you don't know how to dance. I, in my entire life, had only gone to one dance and seriously, the only dance move everyone knew how to do, grinding. Yes, that was that was the era. That was uh, not of the dances I went to, but yes, I, I know the era well. The Pretty Ricky era. <laughs> That's so horrible. See, that, I actually looked up Pretty Ricky the other day. Story right there. I did not have a childhood where I knew how to dance. Yes. No, that's, uh, I would say that's a fair one. Yeah, I think it's better than like a meth addict getting me into writing. No, I'm still sold on the meth addict story. So do you have a favorite band that you listen to while writing? favorite band to listen to while writing oh man that's difficult um but if i had to pick a favorite it would probably be oh man either have a nice life or maybe death heaven I would say so um have a nice life I like their huge like kind of wall of sound interludes uh I kind of try to do like I don't know my I try to make my prose like kind of big and crashing and I don't know with a little bit of goofiness thrown in you can see it in the writing yeah okay yeah cool cool um and then uh oh yeah deaf heaven um known as poser black metal but i think that's lame but yeah i uh they're like atmospheric but also still pretty like grimy so i don't know it it doesn't it's pretty good background music for me have you been more genre blending type stuff do what have you been working on any writing recently i have been working on um a disco horror novel the last year and a half that i've got a draft of are we all working on horror novels holy shit oh yeah like you're like Um, the fifth writer who told me you're working on a horror novel and i am too and it's just like what happened to us nice yeah no i think uh, it's just a really cool time to be a horror writer i think uh there's so much good horror art coming out into the world it's exciting we're going through a horror boom i dig it so go on tell yeah me more. yeah okay so it is um imagine evil dead 2 it takes place at studio 54 is the vibe um so it's a disco slasher uh there's a surge of sleep paralysis demons uh and sort of the collective trauma of the city is driving all the kids to the disco to deal with it, but there's a killer at the disco cutting all the kids down. So there's a um, cartoon artist who's battling addiction and also kind of trying, sort of trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, and it's very surreal and absurd. And uh, it's it's a disco slasher. It's fun. I was going to say, it definitely has like some film noir kind of vibes with, I don't know, Sort of it's making me think of prom night, but at okay. 54. So 
that's kind of bizarre. So the prom night, I don't entirely know where this idea came from, but I have theorizing it comes down to the final scene in prom night where there's like the music blaring in the background and they're like Jamie Lee and her boyfriend. I don't remember who her boyfriend is in the movie, but I just know he's one of the people that killed her sister. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're fighting the killer. So I think that's where my idea for it came from. I'm not entirely sure, but it's the best I can come up with. Um, I love, but yeah, I love Genesis of like when you actually are like, that's where the like idea came from. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shiny sort of neon killer, slippery stuff (laughs) is the vibe. So like right now, I mean, I is going to be like, what are you listening to while writing it? But now I'm almost more like, what's the soundtrack to this book going to be? Um, I've actually, so I've thought about that a lot in like, so as far as characterization, like I can't really make a character interesting at all until I figure out who their favorite band is. And I usually don't reveal that to the reader cause that would get old. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's one detective who's like really harsh and sort of sadistic. So her favorite band is suicide. Uh, I don't know if you've heard them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another, there's like an intern whose favorite band is the B-52s. Nettie, who's like this like cartoon animation guy who also wears like a fur coat and dances at the disco every night. His favorite's Barry White. And uh, so, yeah, that, uh, I don't know. It helps me frame everybody. I am just like so like I'm pumped on this book. I, I need to read it. Oh, my God. Please let me read it when you're done. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, it's, it's the most fun I've had writing for sure. I think that like, that's what's happening with us currently, you know, like how we were discussing earlier, like we were poets and like, we were kind of beings, people that we like thought we were supposed to be. And now suddenly we're just going full on like geek throttle. Yeah, no, I think there's been like enough disillusionment maybe in our culture where it's just like success isn't really working for anybody. So let's just like do whatever the hell we want to do. And I think a lot of people are writing really great horror right now for that reason. Yeah. I think it's just kind of based on like what you're surrounded by. And as I like think like, you know, as I'm reading Grady Hendrix, I am almost done with like all this shit. And I'm going to go to a reading of his like next week. It's going to be awesome. Oh, no way. Yeah. I'm pretty psyched about it. I was going to say very jazzed, and then I was like, oh, God, that's, that's too old. I'm 30. <laughs> I say jazzed sometimes, and I'm, I'm not quite 30 yet. So, yeah, I, I feel like jazzed is permissible. Are we allowed to bring jazzed back? Like, can we bring that word back into the... Uh, see, I feel like it was never fully gone. Okay, I am totally jazzed. No, wait, I heard a Gen Z... One of my Gen Z classmates said it the other day. Oh, fuck yes. Thank you, Gen Z. Yes, Thank Love you for giving us permission to use a word. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we, we're not allowed to use certain emojis or have our hair in certain ways, but I know. accept that, you know, it's a good compromise. When it works for us, we'll take their advice. Exactly. Where it's like, I'm not going to stop wearing my skinny high-waist jeans, and I will continue to use the crying laughing emoji. You can go fuck yourself. Yes. No, Absolutely. Same jeans, same emojis right there with you. I did alter the emoji where now I just have the single tier instead of the two tiers. 
It's classy. It's restrained. I know. Or it's just like, hey, I'm not totally agreeing with you, but I'm also not totally changing my ways. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I feel like that's fair. One tier. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Because I guess they just do the skull, right? Yeah. Because it means like, oh, I'm dead or whatever. Like, they love saying that if it's too like, yeah. funny. But I feel like that's going to, that feels like more slangy. So I feel like it'll pass. So then I wonder what emoji will take its place. You know, like a lot of the words that they have currently are very slangy. But I mean, I would say hipsters had very weird slang things. Like, I don't know. You remember like hype and swag and shit like that? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Very early 2010s. There is still a billboard in Wicker Park. And I forget what beer company it is. But they still haven't learned yet that swag isn't a thing people say yet anymore. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so like 10 years ago. Get rid of the billboard. That hurts. Yeah, that's it. Marketing teams really need someone who's close to the ground if they don't have young people. They really should have young people on them as well. But They need whoever is running the Wendy's Twitter account. And if you're not familiar with that one, I highly recommend like that person is like savage as hell. I wish. No. Yeah. I, uh, sorry. It took me a minute to register, but yeah, they're, they're brutal. They, uh, I forget who they terrorized the other day. They like hitting at Burger King a lot. I'm like, go off. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause it was, someone wasn't someone saying like, they're like, they have the chicken sandwich now and it was like, what's a five ninety nine way of saying that you're not that good at burgers or something like that. <laughs> Shit. I know. I love it. Okay. Like, let's just go for it right here. You and I are both going to think what song do you think that that person likes? <sighs> the Wendy's person. Yeah. The Wendy's person. It's probably multiple people, but we're just going to call it the Wendy's person, the individual. Uh, okay. Um, I immediately thought of what's the Taylor Swift song off the new album. It was my least favorite on the album, but I feel like it fits this one. Well, it's about, uh, draw a cat eye sharp enough to kill a man. Vigilante shit. Yes. That's kind of where my mind went. I vibe it. I vibe it. I imagined like a feisty Gen Zer behind that Twitter account making like gazillions of dollars. Yeah, I definitely am getting that shit, too. I mean, I don't know. Right now, I I was actually going to do Taylor Swift from (laughs) Midnight's as well. I was going to do Antihero. Okay, well, there we go. So whoever is running Wendy's Twitter account, we think you like Taylor Swift. Give us a shout out. Like, I feel like when I do the tweet of, like, this podcast, we should try and call them out. Be like, hey, Wendy's, we spoke about you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Let's do it. I was like, let's go viral, motherfucker. Let's do it. Yeah. That would be awesome. Caleb wants to be known. I uh, I know your musical tastes. Caleb also wants to know, how would you disco? Would you go to Studio 54? Let us know. I bet they would. They seem like Studio 54 type. I think they totally would. I'm. It's so funny that like we didn't experience Studio Fifty Four, but I miss Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, no, I mean it seemed like the craziest, wildest place. Like I, I feel like I could have gotten really into it. 
Yeah, like it, it felt like you could do whatever the hell you wanted at that place. And I, I forget of that. their name. It's the drag queen who played in Hairspray. They oh, like shit. came to Studio 54 one night, like with a chainsaw and just like danced with it all night. Like it's just like the coolest shit. You know, I, I, I am like the name is at the tip of my tongue. I, I just want to keep saying divine, but that, that that's not it. No, it's something divine. Is it? Yes. Okay, nineteen eighty eight film. Let's see. You know, I really yeah, it is. It's divine. Fuck yes, I win. I didn't even go there you go. There. It just came to me. What? Nice. Are you gonna have a divine character in your book? Um, I have been thinking of ways to get, cause so it's, there's like a loose plot, uh, throughout it. So it's sort of a deconstructed detective slash slasher plot. Uh, but there's also these like unrelated interludes and a lot of the interludes take place in the disco. So I'm, I need to have a chainsaw interlude in there where there's just some chainsaw slaying because that's what I was saying. everyone like, loves a chainsaw flick, like i'm saying flick because this is definitely something that could be picked up by like amazon or netflix you're the next ryan murphy that that's where you're <laughs> yes yeah i'll take it you need a i would love to be drag queen with the chainsaw <laughs> yes i would uh i would totally take ryan murphy's job i'd be fine with it i think everybody would take ryan murphy's job <laughs> That's that's fair. Okay, not everybody. There's like 70 million people who would not. But there's another 70 who would. And we're here for it totally. Yeah. Okay. So did you want to read anything? Uh, yeah, I'll read uh, one of these interludes uh, from my novel that it's one of those that takes place outside of the plot, but at the disco. Um, so yeah, this was published at Bear Creek Gazette on October the 31st. Um, okay. So this is called Bear Oyster, sorry, Bear Oysters, Bear Creek on the brain, um, brain oysters, caribous lungs. The shadow is terrible. He moves languidly against the wall at the back of the club, waving his arms tentacle-like. Laughing, still sober, they'd done it again. Bottom a 40 for each hand and taped it to the right and the left. The only way to free your hands is to finish the 40s. He's done this before. His cheekbones swelling up against his eyes with a smile. But for him, it isn't finishing the bottle. He's been doing that sort of thing since he was 14 years old. And it isn't the secondary questions either. What to do when you have to take a piss? He's at the disco. Plenty of hands to unzip his pants so he can waddle into an alleyway outside. No, for him, it's the feeling of being stuck. The tape feeling organic around his knuckles and wrists, pulling the glass into his arms and sealing it all into one piece. He appreciates the separation of things. One thing begins and another ends. Where that thing ends, another starts to take its form. He understands that life necessitates the blurring of these lines, but he relishes the utility of dividing the things of his attention. He cuts his money into neat decisions according to his budget. His commute is just as regimented at just shift schedule. His meals are just as reliable. The same grocery list every month. The last time he agreed to take something like this, he vomited at the edge of the dance floor. He was crouched down with his useless hands, slung behind him like an ape dragging its knuckles. 
perfectly still, hurling acid and burger under the purple lit floor. In the hurling, he felt like a part of it all, swallowed up and vomited out of himself, emerging from between the tiles. In that moment, he was an accident, as accidental as the vodka that he had no choice but to guzzle, as accidental as the vomit that had raised up above his shoes. He didn't want to feel that way tonight. A good sport, he finishes his dance moves and comes back to his friends at the table. He makes some inquiries into the rules of getting something into his stomach. After some satisfying answers, he says, please, and gets one of them to lift a half shell to his lips so he can slurp oyster meat into the bile of his stomach. The butter sauce is cilantro-driven, and it makes the sides of his tongue become suddenly aware of themselves. Yes, this night was going to be different. He takes his wig from each hand and says, please, for a bite of crab legs. The cheap plastic sound of cracking opens up the spiny axicolas into juicy white red leg meat. He grabs it with his teeth, gentle but firm, and brings it into a dipping bowl. With a dog-like flourish, swirls it around the butter sauce before finally slurping the meat into its mouth. His stomach folds over on the seafood, mashes it into one piece, marinating with a smooth bite of vodka. The newness of the feeling settles. The newness of the feeling starts to settle deep in his torso. The sensation of breaking past something old and catching something new at 100 miles an hour. Mouth open, catching endorphins between his teeth. He's becoming the same as everything else. The separations between him, the parts of him, and the objects and the people around him start to feel arbitrary that there is nothing really holding him back from being these things, from drinking it all in as it drinks him in with its own mouth, his mouth. His teeth shine as he asks his friends the difference between their atoms and his nuzzling his face up next to theirs, asking what the difference is now, answering for them that there's really no distinction. He's a good sport, and so are they. They humor him, give him some consideration to his musings. When it's time, finally time for a piss, he beelines for the crowd, chatting about the chance to earn a quarter. One faithful friend finally stops him, pulls him back by the shoulder, and stabilizes him on the way to the bathroom. The taped one breaks free, kicks himself up off the urinal, and sticks the landing, only spilling a few drops from his 40 bottles. His friend tells him to fucking stay still. The taped one giggles. Fucking stay still. And that's when it hits him. Why is it remarkable in any way for his friend to unzip his pants? For anyone on the floor to earn 25 cents? They're all the same atoms, aren't they? Are the protons in his hands any different from the protons in his pants? Finally free, the taped one brings down both hands on the head and back of his friend, breaking the glass across his skin, across his own skin, cutting into the skin, swirling. The blood is the same as the screaming. The vodka burning up the underside of the flesh, the same as eyes, lung tissue. In his head, he, he knows it's all the same. But to the eye, some things still hold their difference. There's separation between their ankles, the ceiling tile, and the rib bones. More swirling, swirling until the eyes can't tell the difference between things. Little bits come off, some cling on, like particles sticking faithfully to their nucleus orbit. Swirling, swirling, screaming, both of them, all of them, all of them until they're the same as the piss on the floor. No vodka left, only the fluorescent light that tastes like vodka. But there's another coming in, a suit of skin still separate, brazen, not even feigning the appearance of unity, not knowing where to grab. The new one only slides fingertips against the blood, trying to help, poor guy. The skin isn't easy to grab. Eyes are screams in this bathroom. When another opens the door, the music is pissed too. A couple comes in on a trip, the unity on the floor, nothing but recreation, hallucinations. 
but maybe they understand that not like the last one to enter now part of the skin too. the piss tells them to join trusting their trip. They step into the glass charred teeth on the dial floor. The homogeneity hurts at first, the blood in their mouth, pissing out music, light, more teeth, a reconstructed bottle of vodka, the skin closing like a zipper adhesive to seal them all in place. The crab meat too, brain oysters, carabus lungs, a couple just trying to fuck in the bathroom, a constant birth of them all. And that's it. All right. That was Caleb and his very trippy reading. I cannot wait for the novel he is working on. Seriously, Caleb, get your shit together. Finish it. I want to read it. Be sure to check out his Twitter at Caleb underscore Bethay underscore and take a look at his link tree, which is linked in his bio. Don't worry. Everything will be spelled in the show notes and links will be shared. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every Saturday. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show. Mm-hmm.